Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. What up? Good evening, everybody. Hey, listen, as I was just watching that video, I I thought of uh, something that I feel like maybe I should share. I don't know. So I'm just one of those moments where I'm just going to obey. I remember when uh, the first time we brought our first foster child home to our house. This kid had been abused in every form and fashion in his six years of life that you could possibly abuse another human being with and in way. And of course, we didn't know any of that. And our house was a place of refuge, of safety, of security, of love uh, for a season until the powers that be could figure out where he was going to go and who was going to adopt him and who was going to take care of him. And so he comes into our home. He has a room. He has a bed. He has a dresser. He has a window. He has a lamp. He has warm sheets. He had clean clothes. He had water that worked. The toilets worked. Food in the cabinets. A loving family who smiled, who loved him, who were willing to care for him, and who were willing to spare no expense for his betterment. And yet, he absolutely revolted against every single one of us. He fought us, he kicked us, he bit us, he broke things in our home, he urinated in our home, he absolutely went crazy, and I could not fathom in my brain why would he respond this way to us and somebody who was seasoned in life who had done this a whole lot more and longer than I was you see I'm very naive at that time three years ago to this foster care world and he came to me and he said Johnji listen I know you don't understand and and you've made a couple comments and I I just I want to help you understand something have you ever made Uh, poured water into the bathtub or filled it up and, and you went to step into the bathtub and it was too hot. I'm like, well, first off, I'm not a bath kind of dude. All right. I don't take baths unless I'm like sick and got a 102 temp. And he's like, all right, well, do you understand the illustration? And I'm like, yeah, like you have to wait. It's, it's too hot and you back out. It's too much. And he said, that's exactly what it's like for that kid when he came to your house. It's too much love. He doesn't know how to receive it. Why do I tell you that? Because I've been doing this long enough to to realize that those of you who are not used in your life to sitting under the teaching of God's word, it's not a habit for you. It's not a norm for you that it's, it's very easy to come to a place like RVR where there's love, where there's counselors that are awesome and fun and cool. And they, they don't seem to have, 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 you know, in a sense, just been into, into a lot of just junk or maybe they have, and they've been redeemed and rescued from it. And that's why they're here. And, and, and it's easy to come and sit in this moment and act like the foster kid who came to my house. Does that make sense? because it's too much. I was backstage just reminding myself 
I literally just had this up, Hebrews 4.12, that says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word of God. I work very, very hard not to give you my opinions because my opinions don't matter. What matters is what God Almighty has spoken in his word. And you take a two-edged sword and stick it in you. How does that feel? Truth be told, students, you want to be honest? Sometimes it doesn't always feel good. You bleed, you cut. Why? Because God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it has the ability to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So sometimes you come to a moment like last night or like this week, and, and, and you hear the word of God, and, and you respond. And I want to say, I want to say thank you to, to those of you last night who, who had courage to do this, those of you who felt called to do this, those of you who were honest, like, like hardcore honest. Um, those of you who trusted me with this information to, to carry it as I said I would. And, and I literally held every card in my hand. And I've already had a couple conversations with some of you today. And I said, I know exactly what you're getting ready to tell me because you wrote it down last night and I prayed over it. I stared at that. And so as you start telling me your story, I want you to know I've already Last night I lifted you. I didn't know you. I didn't know the face. I didn't know your name because I told you not to put the name down. And, and I want to say thank you for that courage last night. Some of you, you did a roundhouse kick to Satan's face last night. What I told you is so true. What you bring from darkness to light loses its power. And I hope you've experienced some of that. And, and, I, and I don't tell you this right now in this moment, for those of you who didn't fill out a card to feel guilty, that's not the point. Because I told you last night, I, I was you in, in, in many situations where I was sitting at a youth camp and I'm like, I'm good. I don't, um, me and Jesus are good. Like I don't really have anything to go write on a card right now. And, and, and there were moments where I didn't move. I didn't come to the altar. There were no tears. So I'm totally okay with that. What I, my job is to usher you to Jesus and let you make the decision to either obey or not. Does that make sense? And the word of God is sharper. It's than a double edged sword. And, and part of last night was for us to come to the realization that, wow, we, we, we're unholy. We got stuff we struggle with. We got stuff we deal with. I shared one story of my own life, of, of my own sinfulness and, and, and my own journey with it. And tonight, I want to pick up on the passage of scripture that we read last night from Ephesians chapter two. I want to reread verses one through three again, and then we're going to pick up with some incredibly good news tonight. And, and then, so let me read this word to us and then we'll pray and, and see what, what God would, would say to us. So from last night, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. This is what we read last night. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And I hope when I, when I say that, and when you hear that from God's word tonight, that you have a different understanding of it. Maybe you're still envisioning the black cloth and, and what it means to, to that sphere in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air 
and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, tonight, we move from man choosing sin to God's love, to God's provision and rescue of us, even in the midst of verses one, two, and three of Ephesians. Look at what it says in verse four. But God, everybody say that out loud. Well, maybe not. Go to the next slide. Maybe we go to the next slide. All right. Oh, look at there it is. But God. Everybody say it out loud. That's a, that's a, that's a pause. That's a conjunction. That's a, okay. One, two, and three are true, but God, let me tell you about the almighty. Let me tell you about his love, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were addicted, even when we were struggling, even then, even when we had no motive to live every day, even in the midst of, I don't want to be here anymore. Even in the midst of, please God, help me with my identity. I'm struggling. Please God, help me with, even in the midst of all of the things that either had happened to us, and we feel that we're carrying this burden or that we chose and said yes to, or that we're struggling, our doubts, our fears, our loneliness, our anxieties, our depression, even in the midst of all of that, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. You cannot do anything about your lostness, about your sphere that you were born into. You were dead in your trespasses and you can do nothing about it. There is nowhere in scripture that says you have to do this. You have to go to church. You got to pray nine times a day. You need to go talk to a priest. You need to go do this. You need to go do this. You need to go. Do this. There's nowhere in scripture that that is found. That is man's rules. And it is quickly followed by the word legalism and it's garbage. It's not in the Bible. What you just read from God's word tonight, it says, for by grace, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. You don't deserve it, but yet he gives it to us anyway. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is believing in something you can't see. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Verse nine, not a result of works so that no one could boast. Let's be honest. If you and I could, could earn our way to heaven, if I could do a better job than you did, if I could help enough old ladies across the street, if I could go cut enough grass for the elderly, if I could foster hundreds of children in my home, wouldn't I brag about it and go, look at me, look at how good, look at how spiritual I am. I'm so much better than you. And we would get to heaven and I would be walking around like some kind of a, a proud rooster crowing and because that's just human nature. 
And God's like, that is not how it works. It's not by works. And yet you and I will do that, won't we? We get into environments like this. We hear about stories over there and we look at that and we're like, oh, I'm better than her. I'm better than him. Look what she does. Look what they're into. And we do this point and fingers game because that's human nature. That's not God's nature. It's not what, that's not how he rolls. Some of you may have already looked up a few verses in the book of Romans. Tonight, very simply, I want you to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That God provided a rescue, not just for people before you, not just your parents, your grandparents, not just for me when I tell you my story, but for all of you here tonight. And some of you have already surrendered your life to Christ. And some of you tonight, you're going to be given an opportunity and I'm going to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. I talked about Steph Curry and him doing that when he was eight years old. And tonight I'll tell you about another man in our community who gave his life to Jesus. You're going to have that opportunity tonight to do that. Romans chapter three, verse 23. Look at it on the, on the screens for all. Everybody say all. all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody in here has sin. You were born into that Romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages, there has to be a price that's paid, which is why if you know anything about the Old Testament, there was this whole sacrificial system where blood had to be shed, taken to the priest. He cut a goat, he killed it, blood was shed, which then the people were set free and they were redeemed from their sin. And then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the lamb who was sacrificed. His blood on the cross was shed so that all of you could be forgiven from your sins if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father in heaven except through me. Well, that's a weighty statement. Yep, it is a weighty statement. But when, you, when, when, the, when there's over 300 Old Testament prophecies foretelling the coming of a Jewish Messiah in Jesus Christ, details of place of birth, how he was going to be born, where he was going to be born, the details of his life, how he was going to die, that three days later he would raise from the tomb and, and be resurrected, all of it foretold long before it happens. And then he comes and then it happens. And then he appears to hundreds of people after he's alive, eyewitness testimonies, an empty tomb, all kinds of stuff. Listen, students, I'm hanging my hat on that guy. He is trustworthy. That means that everything else that's in the scriptures is worthy of our trust and, and following because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can't tell you how many students have said, oh, wait, wait a minute. What do you, you mean I don't have to stop smoking weed in order to become a believer? I'm like, that's not in the Bible. Who told you that? Who told you you got to stop using the F word? Who told you you got to stop cussing? Who told you you got to stop doing all these things before Christ accepts you? That is not what that says. The Bible says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. And I accept his gift on the cross. Then Christ comes into my life, begins to transform my life. I begin to transform this child and say, hey, there's a reason that we point with this finger and not this finger in our house. And you can't do that in Walmart when you see people because they just think you flipped them the bird. 
He doesn't know. He doesn't understand. There has to be teaching. There has to be training. There has to be something that comes into our heart that begins to show us that there's a new and there's a better way. Romans 5.8 is so massive, students. Please don't miss this. And then you get to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified and with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We had a woman named Kim Hickman. Let me show you her picture who came to our church. uh, Man, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, she showed up. Her picture is popping up here on the screen. And uh, this is Kim Hickman came to our church. She was actually started coming to, to another family member of our church. They had a horse ranch. She was big time into horses, started going to the horse ranch. She was boarding one of her horses there. And they said, man, we want to use our stable for the kingdom of God. And this is stuff we love. And so we just started inviting people into our home who were using our stable. And Kim shows up and, and, and next thing you know, Kim hears the, she hears Romans. She hears these verses of scripture and was like, wow, I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sin. I want to, to, to know that I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. She gives her life to Jesus. She goes back home and tells her husband all about it. And he was like, you're a crazy woman. You're a crazy woman. That's so foolish. You can't even see God. What you just gave your life to God. Okay, whatever. That archaic book, you read the Bible, really? And he just abused her for years. Sunday morning, preaching in altars and sermons just like this, she'd come forward and she would just say, John G, please, we got to pray for my husband. We got to pray for my husband. He needs Jesus. And I don't know what else to do. I I know that God doesn't want me to leave him, but it is hard to live in this house with this foul, just vile man. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Years kept going and, and we just kept praying and praying and praying. And she kept crying out to God on behalf of her husband. I went to see him. Found out that he was big into mechanics. He worked at a place called Advance Auto in our community. And so I was like, I got this truck situation. And so I said, hey, I want you to help me. And he's like, man, I'd love to help you. And so I showed up to his house one morning about 9 a.m. I sent a text to our staff and said, I'm spending the day with Scott Hickman. Here's his picture. I said, I'm spending the day with Scott Hickman. Guys, please pray. I have no idea what I'm going to experience or face. And so I go and I hung out with him all day in his shop. We worked under my truck. We were in my truck and I heard his story. I said, hey, what happened to your arm? He's got one arm. The other one is cut off. And he goes, I'm not sure you're ready to hear that story. I said, well, I've heard a lot of stories, Scott. I heard the F word like more times than I could ever imagine that day. And I listened to his just foul stuff. I saw his nude pictures on the, on the wall of his, of his shop. And it was just this, this foul Foul, foul, rough, rugged man. And we ended that day and, and like, I don't know, it was like one o'clock. I started at nine. It was like one o'clock and he was, my truck was fixed. And I thanked him. I told him I'd, you know, send him a check and come back and drop it by. And he goes, well, before you leave, I think you should come on into my office. I think there's something you want to talk to me about. We walk in, we sit down on the floor. Is two car chairs that were off a vehicle and sitting on the floor. And we sat down and, and, and we, I just started listening to his story. And he's like, my brother died. My dad died. My, my, he goes, my brother was actually killed. I went after that man to try and kill him out in California. And it didn't work. And I was so frustrated. I'm addicted to meth. And he said, my life is a mess. I'm addicted to women. He said, please don't tell my wife that. And he just goes into all this stuff. And I said, what happened to your arm? He said, you asked me that earlier. I said, yeah, what happened to your arm? 
He said, I was going 100 plus miles an hour on a motorcycle trying to kill myself. And I intentionally ran into a guardrail and my arm got inside the spokes of the wheel and it just got mangled all the pieces like shredded threads. I was in a coma for a while. I don't know why God let me live, but he did. And here I am. I said, because I said, Scott, because Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for your life. He said, man, I, I just don't believe that. There's no way God can love a man like me. You just don't understand my life, John G. There's no way God can love him. I said, have you ever killed anybody? He goes, no. I said, there's a man in the Bible who did. You ever heard of David and Bathsheba? He said, yeah, isn't that the guy who like got her knocked up? I'm like, yep, he was a king. He was in the wrong place in the wrong time. He was on top of a roof. His men were off at war. He saw a woman taking a bath and said, I want some of that. And he got some of that and he got her pregnant. And then he tried to cover it up and send her husband out to the front line to die and had him killed. Then, I mean, it was just this mess. And yet David in Psalms 51 repents of his sin before the Almighty and, and, and near the end of his life, God says, listen, this is a man after my own heart, King David. I said, you ever killed anybody? He's like, wow, no. I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what has happened to you or you've done in your life. Listen, God loves you, Scott. I, I shared with him the verses of scripture. I had him read them out loud every time asking him, Scott, what does that say? He's like, uh, it's sin. Well, I got sin and everybody sins and, and, and it's bad and all of this stuff. And I'm like, right. And we get to Romans 10, 13. Everyone, Scott, everyone who calls out to the name of Jesus will be saved. Are you ready in this moment to call out to Jesus? He goes, no. And he's crying. He goes, Johnji, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to give up my lifestyle. I'm not ready. God doesn't want me. What are you talking about? There's just no way. I said, Scott, would you be willing to just have an honest conversation right now? God's man enough. He's big enough to handle your cuss words that you've been cussing in here all day. You haven't changed your language for me. You don't have to change your language for God. He's, he's big. He's big like that. I want you to just to have a conversation with him. He goes, okay. Like that's what you call prayer, right? I'm like, absolutely. Just out loud. He goes, God, I don't even know that you're real. And he's just kind of looking around his shop. But I don't even know how to find you. Or if I would, I don't even know where I would even start, but help me. And then he kind of looks at me and opens his eyes. And I was like, all right, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. And I got out of the seat and I got down on the shop floor and I just prayed for this man. I just prayed for him. I prayed for his pain. I prayed for his family, his son. I prayed for his life and I prayed that God in some way would rescue him from himself. That was in August. In February, we're getting ready to do a marriage retreat at a place called the Peaks of Otter near where I live. It's a big mountain. The Blue Ridge Parkway is there. There's a hotel there. And we had, we had 48 couples that were coming to our marriage retreat. It's cold and flu season in February and I know somebody's gonna bail and I didn't want the retreat to happen and we have an empty room. So I got up on stage on a Sunday morning, just like this and said, hey, I know some people are gonna get sick this week. Kids are gonna get sick. People are gonna bail. If you would love to join us, please don't let money stop you. Before I could finish the morning announcement, Kim stood up in the audience and I just looked at her and I nodded. And she started to come forward. I said, hey, let's just start our worship this morning. I met her down at the front. She's bawling her eyes out. She said, Johnji, I know I'm supposed to be on that retreat. I know God wants to save my husband. Will you come to our house? I'm like, sure. 
what, what do you want me to? And so I showed up at her house the next Wednesday. I got to the doorstep. There was yelling. There was cussing. I knocked on the door. He goes, why don't you get the bleepity bleep bleep door? Somebody's at the door. I'm not getting up. Why don't you get the, and I'm just like, what is happening? She opens the door and she's like, hey, I guess you heard all that. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I've heard that before. She goes, come on in. I walked in. I sat down. He was in another room putting on his shoes. One-armed man putting on his shoes, tying his laces. He walks out. He goes, Johnji, what the bleep you doing in my house? I said, man, I came to ask you a question. And he sat down, finished putting his shoe on. I'm standing up in the middle of the living room. He gets up. I said, hey, we're getting ready to have a marriage retreat. And guess what? A family had to bail because their kid got sick. I figured it would. I got one extra bed, one extra hotel room. I'd love for you and Kim to come. He looked down. He looked at his wife and he went. And he stood up and he walked across the room at me and everything within me said he's getting ready to punch me in the face. That's how I felt. I'm like, oh, he's getting ready to hit me. And I'm just like kind of bristled. I'm like, take it like a man. Take it like a man. And he swung his one arm around and stuck it out just like that. I said, and I reached my hand out slowly. I shook his hand. I said, you coming? He goes, I'll be there. What time I got to be there? I said, we start at six o'clock. He goes, all right, I'll see you Friday night. So I'm up there with the team. We're getting all set up and couples are coming in. We're putting name tags on them. We're checking them in. We're showing them, giving them their hotel keys, doing their deal. Here he comes. We're getting ready to start. They showed up late. Scott looks through the glass and looks in the room and he's like, mm-mm, man. I, uh, I don't know, Johnji. Remember the foster kid in the warm bath? It's too much. He looks in, he goes, Johnji, I don't, I don't belong in there, man. You just don't understand. Those aren't my people. I'm like, what do you mean they're not your people? He goes, those are like, those are church people in there. I'm like, mm-hmm. What does that mean? He goes, they're good. I'm not. I'm like, okay. Well, you can't see him and I'm not going to point him out, but that dude just had an affair three weeks ago. And I'm not going to point him out to you because I'm not supposed, I'm supposed to be confidential with people's business. But there's a couple in there and their, their marriage is hanging on by a thread. You see that woman? I'm like, well, I can't do that. And I'm just like, Scott, everybody in here has issues. Some of them have just chosen to surrender their lives to Jesus and be forgiven for them. He goes, and he walks in, sits down. We go through the night, Saturday, my wife and I intentionally go sit down with them and have lunch. We were having like cold cut sandwiches and Doritos and we're sitting there and I said, Scott, tell me what God's doing in your life. He starts crying. He goes, John G, God doesn't want me, man. You don't understand. I'm, I'm, he doesn't want me. And I'm like, Scott, that's a lie. That's a lie. And you're listening to a lie from the pit of hell. He loves you. There's nobody that's too far gone for Jesus. We get ready for the next session. His wife is sitting on the front row. The seat beside her is empty. And I look at her and I kind of mouth. I'm like, where's Scott? And she goes, I don't know. We do that session. We take a break. Come to find out he was downstairs in what we called a prayer room. He was down there looking at a mirror, having a conversation with the Almighty for the first time in his life. He comes back up for the last session. The last session was just a room like this and people are gathered all around. And, and I'm just, I just said, hey, we're getting ready to close out. We're going to be back in our cars in an hour and head back down. 
back to Bedford to where we live. And I said, I just wonder if anybody's, if God's got a, a testimony in somebody's heart of somebody wants to share something. A dude in the back stands up and said, I had a brain aneurysm and I can't talk right anymore, but I just want to say how grateful I am to this woman. And everybody was like, wow. And then guess who stood next? Scott in a yellow hat stood up and he just looked at me. He looked at me and he said out loud, Johnji, I'm lost. I said, Scott, come here. He joined me in the middle of the room. I had a wireless microphone in my hand and I said, I want men right now to come gather around Scott and I and let's pray. Remember last night we talked about kingdom tapestry two nights ago. God created us for a purpose and community. Look at community. These men rallied and jumped to the scene and they gathered around myself and the man in the yellow hat. And they started praying one by one. God, would you, would you rescue Scott? Would you help him to know that there's nothing that he's done that you can't forgive? Nothing that you won't rescue. One by one by one by one, dudes prayed. It got silent and I'm sweating like crazy because I'm like, I don't know what to do in this scene. There's all these people and everybody's listening. And, and, and all I knew to do was to lean into my friend's ear and say, Scott, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And he kind of kicked his head towards me and he said, yes. And all I know to do, I had a wireless microphone in my left hand. I leaned forward, my right arm is around him. I turned it on and I kind of, in a sense, set it right in his chest and the microphone was right here and he's head down. And I said, then ask for it. And Scott said, Jesus, I don't know what to say, but I'm lost. I'm a sinner and I need you. Come rescue me. It was the most sincere prayer I'd ever heard in my life. Two Sundays later, he wanted to tell the church of his decision to follow Jesus Christ. Watch this video. Come. There it is. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's gone. Scott, is it your desire here today to let everybody know that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah. Scott, it's a privilege for me to baptize you, my brother. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ, that and raised you all. Four months later, Scott was on a ladder trying to cut a limb in his backyard. He cut it off, the limb came down, hit the bottom of the ladder, he falls off and breaks three ribs. Total rebellious, didn't want to go to the doctor, laid in bed for two weeks. Wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better, couldn't figure out what's going on. His wife is like, dude, you, we're going to the doctor. They go to the doctor. They start taking blood work and the doctor looks up and says, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but I need to send stuff off. Something's not right, Scott. All the test results came back. Scott was positive for what's called HPV, human papilloma virus. It's an STD. It's a sexually transmitted disease that if 
left undetected and un, 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 taken care of by a doctor. It is a landing strip for, about, for multiple types of cancer in your life. You don't know anything about HPV until you know somebody who does. And then you go, what is that? There are 332 and some change million people in the United States. Right now, 80 million people are positive for HPV. It's an STD. You get it from sexually transmitted disease. And because he was so wild and reckless and rebellious in his younger years, it was left undetected, didn't care, God flipping deuces to God. And now here he is at 55 years of age and the cancer has landed and it has consumed his body. Inoperable, he is going to die from cancer. I go to the hospital. He's got about two weeks, the doctor said to live. I'm sitting beside his bed. He was in and out of consciousness, phasing in and out. We talked, I wrote notes. I said, I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna talk about you when you're in the presence of Jesus, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and you've surrendered your life to Christ. And I said, if you had one regret, what would it be? Here's what he said. John, I'm 55. I didn't have time to let people see how Jesus is shining in my life. I said, I talk to teenagers all the time. He said, listen, listen, please tell them, please tell them Jesus loves them. No matter what. I don't know why I was so hard headed. Would you please tell them if I could go back to 14, 15, 16 years of age? He said, man, John, I would have done things so much different. Don't let them. He looked at me and he said, don't let them be like me. So that'll be up to them and Jesus. Students tonight, I want to invite you to Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I've been coming to RVR for almost 20 years. The first time I came, like 2001, setting just like this, doors opened up on a night just like this, and I invited students to go out and sit on the lawn. And I'm telling you right now, those doors are getting ready to be open, and you're gonna walk out, and we're gonna invite you to go have a conversation with the Almighty to hear the creek differently, to look up at the stars or, or the, the clouds differently and just, just say, God, whatever it is that's sincere and real, and some of you tonight need to Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. It's that simple, students. I wanna invite you, if you've never given your life to Christ tonight, would you go have a conversation with the Almighty who loves you no matter what? Father, all over the room, we've heard your word. We've seen it loud on the screen. God, thank you for changed life of Scott Hickman. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Lord, I pray for every student in this room. God, would you give us courage to, to listen to you, to respond to you in a way, God, that would make you, Lord, just, just usher your spirit into our lives. May we say yes to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.